Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship. It is good to be together on such a beautiful spring day. And I think even if we can't be out in it in the way we'd want to, just to look out through the window and see such a glorious morning really lifts our spirits. We're being joined again by friends from all over the country and around the world. It's particularly lovely to have Anto with us from the Bahamas. Uh, I see that Tamara is here from Marburg. Hi, Tamara. We were really hoping to see Aaron uh, at some point, maybe next week. Um, it's lovely to have the Orkney contingent in, and also the Dunlop Spears are here. And uh, it's great to have Alan on the phone. Hopefully we'll see your face one of these days, uh, Alan, but it's lovely that you're here on the phone. Our service this morning will be led by our minister, Katrina, and other familiar voices from our congregation. And you'll find the words of all our hymns on the order of service that I sent out yesterday. So we'll be able to sing along with past recordings of ourselves. And in one of the recordings, the music for reflection, you'll hear Yang Yang playing violin. Um, there's an optional activity you might have noticed later on in the service. Uh, and if you want to take part in that, make sure you've got a piece of paper and uh, some uh, scissors and a pen or pencil handy if you'd like to do that. But there's, if you just want to observe, that will be fine. You'll remember that there are no evening services just now, but again at 7 p.m. this evening, the Baptist Union of Scotland is having a short 15, 20 minute uh, prayer broadcast on Facebook Live. It's uh, on facebook.com forward slash Scottish Baptist forward slash live. And it's 7 p.m. until about 7.15, 7.20. Just two pieces of family news at the moment. One is just to ask you again to please remember Holly and George and Georgie's family um, as they prepare for Georgie's granny's funeral this Thursday. Um, these are difficult times in which to hold a funeral. Please remember them. And the other is a wonderful piece of good news. We want to congratulate Isan, who in one of his college exams this week achieved 99%. Isan, in my experience, that's unheard of. So let's give him a sign, round of applause. Fabulous news, Isan. We're really proud of you. And again, just a wee reminder, if anyone needs help with essential shopping or collecting of prescriptions, you just have to let me know. We have volunteers ready. We meet again next Sunday morning at 11 for worship. These are all our notices. Jesus, stand among us in your risen power. Let this time of worship be a hallowed hour. Breathe the Holy Spirit into every heart. Bid the fears and sorrows from each soul depart. Then with careful footsteps we'll go on our way, watching for the dawning of eternal day.
And so in that amazing fashion of Hillhead, as part of that cloud of witnesses, we join our voices together to say the Lord's Prayer in the language and version which for us feels the most normal and natural. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Protect me, O God. I trust in you for safety. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. All the good things I have come from you. How excellent are the Lord's faithful people. My greatest pleasure is to be with them. You, Lord, are all I have and you give me all I need. My future is in your hands. How wonderful are your gifts to me. How good they are. I praise the Lord because he guides me and in the night my conscience warms me. I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. And so I am thankful and glad and I feel completely secure. You will show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forever. If you'd like to join in this activity, you'll need a piece of paper, a pen or a pencil, and a pair of scissors. Doesn't matter what size your paper is, as long as it's rectangular in shape. And if you could have it this way up, so that's portrait orientation with the long edges at the side. And somewhere around the middle of the bottom, I'd like to invite you to either write the names or draw some little figures to represent the people and the pets who are in your household. So hopefully your drawing's better than mine, but something like that. But this doesn't look much like a house, does it? So can we do something to make that better? So if you take hold of one of the top corners and bend it right the way across to make a nice diagonal. And if you can press that down, that'd be wonderful. Well, some houses look like that, but not very many. So let's take the other corner and bring that across. Don't worry if it's not perfect, as you can see, mine is far from perfect. And do the same. Press it down. So here we are in our houses. And houses are normally a good place to be, a place where you can relax, a place where most people feel safe. But at the moment we've had to close up our houses, haven't we? In order to stay safe, we have to 
stay home. So let's fold our house in half. So our house is now nicely closed, nice and safe. We can stay inside, although I know sometimes that gets a bit hard. So if you are able to go out for permitted exercise, that's a great thing to do. Stay close to home, walk, cycle or run. You're allowed to take your dog for a walk. You can go and fetch your prescription, you can go and get essential shopping. But basically, for most of us, most of the time, we stay closed up in our houses. And of course, it can feel like our world gets a lot smaller, can't it? So if you could take your scissors and about halfway, Through the paper might get quite hard when you get through all the folds but that's okay yeah our house is a bit smaller isn't it let's open it up again there we are in our home that feels perhaps a bit smaller a bit isolated a little bit lonely so let's keep on unfolding our paper and hopefully you now have a cross with you and your household in the front of it. And it's slightly corny, it's a bit cheesy, but it is a reminder that no matter how difficult it feels at the moment, God is with us in our homes. And Jesus, who is our saviour and our friend, is with us in all of this. So in a moment, we're going to sing one of our favourite Hellhead songs. But first, just wait till I sort the tech. listen for the word of God in our first reading. John 20 verse 19 to 23. It was late that Sunday evening and the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors. 
because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Then Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. After saying this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. We don't know who was there, do we? And it's only because we've heard the story a lot of times before that we actually know who definitely wasn't there. We imagine that 10 of the 12 disciples were there. And we speculate that Jesus' mother and some of the other women were there. But we don't know, not for sure. What we do know is it was evening. The door was locked tight shut and they were afraid. If we follow the chronology of the fourth gospel, early that morning, Mary Magdalene had gone to visit the tomb where Jesus had been laid to rest, only to discover that the grave was open and that there was no sign of his body. She told Peter and he and another of the disciples rushed to the garden and confirmed for themselves that this was indeed the case. Since then, Mary had come back to the disciples, telling them that she'd seen Jesus and he'd given her a message to pass on to them. We don't know how long it was between those things. All we know for certain is that people locked themselves in a room because they were terrified in case the religious authorities might come calling. Fear makes us hide away, both literally and metaphorically. At the moment, we have to stay inside our houses most of the time, because for most people, though of course not everybody, it is actually the safest place to be. And we really mustn't try to do a neat read across from this gospel story to our own living stories because the circumstances are completely different. They weren't on an enforced lock-in. They chose to lock themselves in. But nevertheless, fear is fear. And that much at least we share. We may be afraid of catching the virus or what might happen to us or those we love, if any of us do. We may also be afraid of staying at home and the impact that might have on our mental health and well-being. We might be afraid of going out because we're not quite sure what is or isn't permitted. And if you're wired anything like I am, oh boy, if you need to go out a second time, you can guilt trip for the world, never mind Scotland or Britain. Locked doors can be in our hearts and our minds 
just as much as physically in our houses. In the story, Jesus suddenly appears and he says to his friends, peace be with you, shalom, or maybe in our way of thinking, hi there. He shows them his scarred hands and he shows them the wound in his side and they are filled with joy, we are told. Well, lucky them, because Jesus hasn't turned up in my house recently, I don't know about yours. At least he hasn't done physically, not like that. I wonder how you imagine this scene. The thing that has always struck me is that the resurrected Jesus carries for all eternity the wounds and scars of his agonising death. The fear that haunted his prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane. The sense of abandonment and isolation he experienced on the cross. These don't miraculously disappear. Rather, the risen Christ of God is a wounded healer. He carries within him everything that he experienced in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. So perhaps for a few moments, we dare to go behind the locked door of our own hearts and minds, to engage with our own feelings and emotions. You know, those things we so skillfully hide from each other, maybe even from ourselves. And in that dark place, maybe a lonely, maybe a fearful place, dare we imagine that Jesus appears as broken as we are, maybe more broken than we are, and hear him speaking to us, peace be with you. John 20, 24 to 29. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, called the twin, wasn't with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Thomas said to them, 
unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands and put my finger on those scars and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again indoors, and Thomas was with them. The doors were, were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Then reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Do you believe because you see me? How happy are those who believe without seeing me. So a week passes by and nobody thinks to tell us what happened in that week. Did disciples go out and get some exercise? Did they go to the market to buy essential food? Did they keep the door locked all the time? Or did they start to relax a little bit as the days went by and only locked it up again at night? And when did Thomas arrive and hear what had happened? And how did the others react when he expressed his disbelief? Were there other sightings of Jesus in this week, even though nobody's written them down? Or did he just disappear again altogether? Were the disciples wondering when or if he would see them again? Or did they just think, well, well, that's it, he's gone now? Well, we don't know. It's all lost in the mists of time. But what we do have, and for which I, for one, am always grateful, is that record of Thomas and his totally reasonable questions. How can I be sure this is so? What evidence can you give me to support these claims? Can I trust that you're actually being straight with me or are you spinning me a line? Again, this is nothing like the circumstances within which we find ourselves. But the questions are not dissimilar from those perhaps which we wrestle with. Who can we trust? What are the reliable sources in a world where everything changes so incredibly rapidly? Where yesterday's scientific knowledge is discarded in the light of new evidence? And goodness knows what the politicians might be saying. How can I be sure? When Jesus appears suddenly to Thomas, it appears that Jesus already knows what the evidence is that's needed. And so he invites Thomas to touch the wounds in his hand and his side. But let's pause and remember that the previous week he had voluntarily shown those to the other disciples. They didn't have to ask for proof. They were given it. One of the great unanswered questions which occupies the minds of theologians and ministers and sensible normal people is whether Thomas did or did not touch those wounds. 
I've always felt the answer to that one is no, but I can't prove whether that is correct or not. And there are others who are equally convinced that he did touch Jesus and only in that moment of physical contact was his doubt displaced by trust. But they can't prove that either because they weren't there. In the end, it comes down to faith, a belief that whatever the historical details, this account carries an important truth for us, the truth that Christ lives. How can I be sure? It's a very real question and it arises in many different ways at different times in our lives. The quest for certainty for objective proof is very natural, it's very human. We want answers. We want to know how long this situation is going to go on for. And the inability of scientists or politicians to provide us with answers can be frustrating and upsetting. And when I look at the news or follow Twitter feeds or whatever, it's full of people getting frustrated and upset and angry. And I get that. But there are no absolute answers at this moment. It has been said by deeper thinkers than I am that the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. And I actually wonder if what Jesus is saying to Thomas is really more along these lines. Is your faith based on concrete evidence and absolute certainty? Or do you have faith enough to live with the questions and the doubts and to go on believing anyway? You know, Thomas's story is one that is precious to me as I wrestled with my own questions many, many years ago. But perhaps for a few moments in some quiet and as we listen to some music, we could have a conversation in our imagination with Jesus about what is uppermost in our thoughts and our feelings. Maybe questions about trust or truth. Maybe questions for which we can't find answers. Maybe something completely different from any of that. But as we imagine ourselves meeting Jesus and talking to him, telling him as it is, how does that lead us, leave us feeling? Is it possible that we can say with somebody else who met Jesus, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief.
let us bring our prayers for others and for ourselves. O God, our Father, we bring our prayers to you on this first Sunday after Easter. Traditionally, this has been called Low Sunday, perhaps because of the contrast with the High Festival of Easter celebrated last week. <clears throat> Apparently, this Sunday has also been tagged with the label Empty Pew Sunday, and some churches also call it Renewal Sunday. However, whatever name we may attach to this day, we come with thanksgiving in our hearts and the assurance of hope for the future. We have a living hope because we have a living Lord. First of all, in the light of the circumstances that all of us find ourselves at this time, it would perhaps not be inappropriate to talk about this day as being low Sunday, for many are grieving the loss of loved ones due to the invisible virus. Many are suffering at home or in hospital. Many are struggling with mental and psychological concerns. And all of us feel this amorphous angst hanging over our lives. We are isolated. We are bored. We are frustrated. Many are deeply apprehensive for their income and their capacity to sustain their lives. Dear Father, we hold ourselves up to you, asking that you will give us the strength, give us the courage, and grant us the grace to live through these days, that however low we may, be, may feel, may we put our trust in you as our everlasting Father. And if this is indeed a renewal Sunday, help us to redouble our commitment to your service, that we may be a blessing to others at this time. We think of the heroic efforts of those working on what has been called the front line of the present fight, but we also reflect on the many others who are risking their life to, in, to ensure that essential services are being maintained. We pray for volunteers, for those who work in shops and deliver our online goods, for those who simply look out for the old and the vulnerable in these unusual circumstances. Let us therefore on this Sunday remember your love for us. Let us renew our pledge to love and to serve others in whatever ways are still open to us at this time. And when we consider the label of the Empty Pew Sunday, I'm sure that this results in the raising of an eyebrow, because although Hill Head has no pews, and indeed hasn't had for many years, the spaces that we occupy each Sunday are now perhaps fuller than ever. Thanks to the marvel of modern technology, we are there in our places, on our mini screens or telephone lines, as we log in to the Zoom services. Our pews are not empty. The people have not disappeared. In fact, they are very much present and active in praise, in prayer, in reflection, in music, and in their seeking to make the Word of God real in their lives at this time, and that abiding fellowship is sustained despite any physical separation. The opportunity that this new challenge has presented to us and other congregations has been met with a positive response, and we are grateful to the skills and the dedication of those who ensure that we continue as a worshipping fellowship week by week. And so we offer up all of those to you, our Father, and ask you to grant us grace that we might not weary in well-doing as we seek to foster our community life as a church seeking to respond to the challenge of this present hour. And thinking of our own church family, we're asked especially to hold up in prayer these friends from our own fellowship. Jen, Andrew, Carl, and Eden Haas, Jeff and Carol, 
Caris Ferguson, Fiona and Donnie, Edith Fleming, and Ethan and Annis. We rejoice to know each one of these friends as individuals and as a family together at Hillhead, and we give thanks that we can support one another in prayer and love and in encouragement. We know something of each one of them, some in family groups, some on their own, some are young who may be missing their school friends, some are in the middle years with heavy responsibilities, some are new to our country and may have fears for, the, for others abroad, some are elderly and perhaps quite frail. We gather them all together in our prayers today and ask for your continuing blessing towards them. Give them the grace to live out each day without fear or anxiety. And today we're asked to remember in prayer the wider Baptist Fellowship of Churches. We remember the Baptist Church at Crookston, at Crown Terrace in Aberdeen, and the Caldutho Christian Fellowship. Each of these will be facing their own challenges at this time, and we would pray that they will know your encouragement and your grace. Bless their leadership and all who belong to those church families. We pray also today for the work of the BMS Worldwide Mission, and specifically for the BMS Action Teams in different lands. These days must be particularly difficult for overseas mission, and we pray that the work for that work in the wider world. And we also pray for the BMS birthday scheme reps throughout the nation, and specifically for Joan Ross, who does this important work in our own congregation. Finally, we bring our own prayers and petitions to you. Although there is much that we now endure collectively, there are nonetheless the individual concerns that, eat, that are eating away at our heart. Worries that we face as family, fears that surround our daily lives, concerns for others in our immediate circle that cloud our future and theirs. We bring all these concerns and lay them at your feet. But in all of this, let us remember that you love us, each one of us, as if we were the only one to love. Yes, indeed, our pews are not empty, but our hearts are filled once again today. Let this love for you, our Father, overflow in our love and care for one another. Amen.
after the blessing we will of course so uh, if we wish to go to our chat rooms where we can enjoy informal conversation together may god surprise us with moments of joy may christ surprise us with moments of hope and may the spirit of god provide us with incomprehensible peace this day and every day amen